finally, some good action and individual issues on the quad witch. Turning point after the quad witch. Are we ready to barrel through 4,800 and just keep on going? We'll discuss that with Tim Quast at uh, 8.35. And whoever was buying X in the 30s, they got one heck of a deal. Taken out at 55, a bidding war in X. It's Monday. It's pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, starting out in the green at the highs of the pre-market session, up 12 and a quarter handles, 47.80 and a quarter. Uh, the buck, the buck is a little bit in the red. That's down four cents. Bonds not moving up much, up a few ticks, just under 124. Crude getting a bounce up a buck 30 at 73.08. Gold in the green by a couple bucks, right under 2,040. Silver up. A dime, nine cents, twenty-four twenty-four. Bitcoin futures under pressure today, down one thousand three hundred and seventy-five dollars. And to make Dennis happy, I'm going to say the IWM trading up 047 percent, up at one ninety-seven fifty. And we know where the Qs. Well, the Qs are a little bit in the red. Triple D, uh, happy weekend, or I hope you had a good weekend. Did you have some fun on that quad witch expiration? Were there it was any, any efficiencies? It was? Yeah, no, there was a lot of movement on the quad witch. That's the wildest one we've seen in a long time, especially at the open. But even on the close, like check out the opening price of Berkshire Hathaway, which was trading relatively flat. So we got to give you some perspective. Where is the S&P when we opened? It opened pretty flat, did it not? Uh, yeah, yep, yep, very flat. Yeah, and then you had Burke open down four bucks. So that was just a huge opening sell imbalance. Like, boom, Berkshire Hathaway prints down $4. I get long off the open because I like to do the old Don Bright on the quad, which enveloping where fair value is. Um, trying to avoid news, obviously. But I got filled on a lot of stocks. I got filled long Berkshire Hathaway. I got filled long Microsoft, which was a fantastic one. Reason I got filled long Microsoft, it, it was trading up the entire pre-market and then basically opened flat. So I'm like, well, they're going to trade up the entire pre-market and then give me a flat open. It's probably going to run straight up. And Microsoft basically opened at the low tech and just ran straight up. Like, I mean, you can't even see it on that chart there. But yeah, you know, actually, let me get it. let me. Yeah, that, yeah, it's I, a weird I, chart you got going on again. Uh, that's well, that's the one that you wanted. That's the 30 minute. But here's the open oh. right here, right here, this bar right here. Yeah, so straight up from that open, I'm just trying to see where it is. Oh, yeah, because you've got the overnight there. So, yeah, that's straight up, and it went straight up. Microsoft, just keep looking at these. All the same story. They opened and went straight up. I got long Coca-Cola, KO. I got long AT&T, opened straight wow. up. Went oh, straight was up. that right? Long, Did they got, open? Wow. Coke Big open. Way down, yeah. Look where it opened. Way down that low tech, you see there? And boom, you know, instant like money there. Coke, I got long. Oxy, I got long. I'm just going through, you know, my list because I wrote them down for you guys. I think NEE, I got long. Pfizer, it was mostly buys, as you can see. Stocks just opening simply too low and obviously taking advantage of that. But then on the close, we had some crazy prints too. Check out BlackRock. Look where BLK closed, gapped up 19 points on the closing print. Yes, it's an $800 stock, $800 stock but the, it was around 802 803 and then gapped up to 819 on the closing print. It's trading down to 810 right now if you want to know why, because it shouldn't have been trading at 819. It was just a big buy and bounce pushing that close out. These are the inefficiencies I talk about, folks. You know, like looking at, you know, where a stock is trading right before the close, and then boom, it goes like this on the close. Well, that's all order flow related. You don't see it like you used to, you used to see the stuff all the time, but you do see it on the options expirations, and it's good to take advantage of that. Merck, same story. I got long Merck on the close, MRK. Uh, gap down about 80 cents on the closing print. 
Um, I and it was like a few minutes after it was like 403. I was like, whoa, I just got Phil Merck. And then I look and it's bid 10580. I just flipped it out. I was in the trade less than a few seconds. So, you know, there's opportunities there and you got to take advantage of those opportunities. I now I just want to say one thing about this BlackRock, and I think I saw it out of the corner of my eye. Uh, and maybe maybe it wasn't BlackRock, maybe it was Blackstone, but someone put out a year end video. I don't know. You probably didn't see this. I, I should check my information, no, but it, it it went it went viral, and uh, I, the company maybe it was maybe it was it was it was one of them. It was Black Black Rock or Blackstone. But uh, let's bring in Aaron Bree, and uh, he's sitting in uh, for Mitch. He's taking a couple days off to start the week. Uh, Aaron at the world headquarters. Aaron, how you doing today? I'm good. Good morning, Joel and Dennis. Good morning to the rest of Zinger Nation out there joining us this morning on pre-market prep. But yeah, Joel, that was uh, Blackstone. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, what news? It was just that video. It was going viral on uh, uh, on Twitter. And I think it might have actually been from a couple years ago. Okay. Uh, but but for whatever reason, was was going viral uh, uh, this year. Uh, actually, no, it, it was, it was 2023. Okay. Blackstone video. I've got it pulled up on Twitter here. So maybe later in the show, if we've got a few minutes, we can play it. Yeah, it's not market moving. It's, it's, it's not market moving information. Um, well, biggest headlines of the morning, of course, uh, you mentioned <sighs> top Joel X and no, we're not talking Elon Musk's X.com. We are talking us steel, uh, got a $14.9 billion offer. Wow. Uh, from a Japanese company, Nippon shares were trading up 28%, but still off the target share a little bit of $55. So it seems like the market's saying, okay, there might be some uh, potential problems here in this buyout. It might not be that clear because otherwise I think it'd be trading a little bit closer to that $55 a share. Where are we at right now, Joel? Uh, 50 and a half, but uh, Dennis, I'll let you make comments on this because I remember talking about this one with you. You know, a while back and, you know, a lot of times we say you got to strike, you know, when something comes out and there's a pop in something, it's a lot of times it's best to exit and see what happens. Well, this exact opposite in this one, I can't remember this happening in a while, drifted higher, drifted higher. Yeah, Someone got, knew. yeah, they got the new, the memo yeah, last week. They knew it was eventually coming. So I think it's, I think you've got to ring the register at this point. I would have rang the register before just because it was up so much, but I think uh, like into it, but I'm like, is this like, it's a, so Nip Nippon still is Japanese. Yeah. Are they going to like just, let this like no problems go through, you know, let's come well, that Japanese steelmaker by the U S steelmaker. Like, I mean, you know, we're four fifty 50 off time value money in there, but I'm surprised it's even this high. Like I wouldn't want to take a shot at 51 with your best opportunity up at 55. How high did it get you? 52. We got to, uh, uh, we're trading right highs right here. Right Almost now. 52. It looks like it got to early right on that news, but I don't know. What do you think, Aaron? Like, I, I don't think it's just right. clear sailing for a Japanese company to come in and buy one of the biggest U.S. steelmakers. Right. I, I think right now, I mean, what you're seeing still trading off like 10% from what the target, you know, clearly the market's saying, hey, this isn't a done deal. This isn't, uh, you know, a for sure thing. And I could, I mean, it kind of goes against what a lot of the current administration has been trying to do in terms of onshoring jobs. If you think about, you know, trying to build new semiconductor uh, you know, manufacturing plants and bringing some of those jobs back instead of just relying on Taiwan and all these Asian countries to produce everything. So, uh, you know, I, I think maybe that could be part of it. And I'm saying, hey, no, we're trying to keep these American companies here and keep these jobs here. We don't want to just move everything offshore. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the only thing well, I can think of off the top. So of my head. what I'm challenging and I'm with you and I think, you know, we got a little bit of a discount because of that, but you also have the time value of money, but I'm actually surprised the discount isn't more. So 50, 50, 51. I'm like, I'd ring the register so here, but again, you know, I've been wrong on this. I'll, I'll admit I've been wrong on us deal because I didn't think it was going to get take out price of this high. Right. I thought no. it was taken out. It was going to be like 45, not 55. So very much surprised me how much I would have rang the register probably before the deal. So, which I said, so I've been wrong, but I just feel like you're sitting around waiting here now. I think this is your opportunity to say, thank you very much. Congratulations. Take the money and run. Yeah, and that's interesting. So, Dennis, you're you're you see the price action. You're thinking, hey, this is actually pretty close to the buyout target. The market's feeling maybe pretty good about this deal happening because, of course, it wouldn't expect to close for a few months anyway. So, you're you know, there's going to be a slight discount there just from the time 
Uh, whereas I was looking at it like, oh, you know, it's still trading a uh, 10% off again. So probably going to be some hurdles, probably going to be some regulatory things. I would not. Be- I think a lot. A lot. I, right? I do. Yeah, the SEC's been going after like iRobot and Amazon. I know. I mean, and, and they're, they're not going to give me a yeah. break. Yeah, like they're not going to come in and say, we're letting a Japanese steelmaker buy, you know, one of our big manufacturing companies here, U.S. Steel with U.S. Steel in it. They're going to let that just slide through. Man, I maybe, and maybe it gets through, but if they're worried about iRobot, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to see our, you know, the U.S. steelmaker. You know, I, I, if I was, you know, sitting here, I'd be fighting that too. So I just think you're going to be antitrust issues here. I can't believe it's trading at 51. You know, a fun fact I learned while while researching this uh, this deal. At one point, U.S. Steel was the largest corporation in the world. Wow, that's a and fun now part. and now it's getting bought out for 15 billion, or that was the offer. And if you think about, I mean, what you know, the market cap of Microsoft or Apple now, you know, over three trillion. It's like less than you know one percent of those market caps now. And 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 again, at one point, uh, was the largest corporation in the world. U.S. Steel was um, probably sometime back in the 1800s, if I had to guess. Crazy. Um, but either way, I mean, yeah, this, this is going to be a, the, the big headline of the day, at least so far in the pre-market. So, uh, we'll keep an eye on this throughout the show. Yeah. Yes. And, and again, I, I don't think we're going to have more information breaking here. These take time, but I think you're going to have some commentary here. It's 20. I just looked how many uh, workers, 22,000 employees. So it's not like it's, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees, but it's still significant. It's just the name too, Joel, like U.S. Steel. I, know, I agree. I mean, if you're like a politician and that name U.S. Steel, it's like we're not letting them take U.S. Steel to Japan Steel. I don't know. That's why I think you're going to see some fighting here. But risk herbs aren't pricing much in, so that's why I take the money and run. Uh, Steel Dynamics, uh, uh, yeah. which I own, is up five and a half bucks on this, uh, 6,000 shares. Not near an all-time high. Also, Nucor, uh, that's trading up six bucks. That's uh, yeah. not quite an all-time high. And then there's one other one. Is it? Is it there? Well, another one. Let's talk Cleveland Cliffs because Cliffs was yeah. one of the bidders. They were one of the potential bidders for U.S. Steel, and they're obviously not, you know, buying it. They're not, you know, because they were rumored to be one of the bidders originally there. So you get CLF not buying. Now all of a sudden, it could be still be a target because it's smaller. So I think, you know, I'm surprised it's only lifting 7.4 percent on this. So big pop here for Cleveland Cliffs. A lot of dynamics to think about. I mean, new cores, nobody's coming and buying new core, but you know, maybe some people were thinking maybe new core will be the suitor and they're gonna pay that big premium. So that's why, you know, NUE probably trading higher here as well. Yeah, just some uh, additional details. Yeah, the deal with JP Morgan and US Steel in 1901 made Andrew Carnegie the richest man in the world. And at that time, U.S. Steel was the biggest corporation in the world. Obviously, things look a little bit different 123 years later. Sure. Um, Joel, what chart are we looking at now? Oh, I was just looking. I was thinking how there's steel companies and someone mentioned Alcoa. Aluminum. Yeah, aluminum. Yeah, excuse me, aluminum. What about like, Alcoa? You know, and yeah. obviously we're talking metals now in general here, but 24 to 32, three days. It's been a big move, too. It just goes to show you how violent the rotation has been from leaders to laggards. And Alcoa has been one of the biggest laggards of the year. And, you know, often you see this January effect where they turn, but they have turned ahead of time here. And you just keep thinking, like, I look through the laggards, and that's what the trade is right now. Biggest laggard of them all is Pfizer. You wonder if Pfizer doesn't start getting some love here, too. Not that it has anything to do with any of these companies, but it's clear <laughs> that this market is searching through the market for laggards and thinking, this is where I'm making my 20, 30% in a hurry. You know, you watch what's happened in the solar stocks. You watch what's happened just in Alcoa or even all these stocks that were sitting near 52-week lows just a few weeks ago are blasting off some up 25, 30% in very short order here. So I think you're still looking through laggards. Chat will throw it to you too. Think about some good laggards, especially for the January effect here, because some of the laggards have become leaders all of a sudden. So, you know, that screws up your January effect. But if you can find those stocks that haven't moved yet, there still may be some opportunities here. Now, Pfizer is going to blast off 30%. It's a huge company, you know, it's lower beta. But there's got to be some other ones out there as well. Let's think about that. Well, a couple, uh, Dennis, that come to mind that might not be lagging anymore, but have been lagging, uh, Snapchat 
you oh, know, was boy. trading around ten dollars yeah. like all year, and then all of a sudden, the last couple of months has basically doubled. Yes. Uh, and it just caught another upgrade. Let me pull up the details on that. But uh, Snapchat had been one. This is like the classic case of I had been watching this stock. I'm sure you guys like understand this feeling, but I had been watching this stock for like three months, been like, yeah, maybe I'll start building a position. It's still getting beat down. And the next thing I know, I look at it, it's up 80% in two months. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I can, uh, I, I don't know if I can buy it now, but uh, Guggenheim just uh, upgraded, raised a price target to $23 a share. I mean, looking at this chart again, the stock's up big time in the last three months. I want to say like 80%, but it's still, 85% off its high. So when you're looking around the market, uh, you know, a lot of stocks aren't still that far off their highs. So when I'm looking at it based on that, do I think it's going back to 80 bucks, 90 bucks anytime soon? No. But could it go from here at 16 bucks up then to 20 or 23 like Guggenheim yeah. is what its price target at? Yeah, maybe. So I'm going to be continuing to watch this one. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this chart or this story right now. I think it's run a long ways, and it is hard to chase here. We look at a stock that started the end of October, so two months ago at 8 bucks. So you have 100%, more than 100% in two months. But Guggenheim thinks there's more. The momentum is clearly on its side now. You could take your Jeff Mackey purple crayon and draw the line, and maybe you're buying it off when it's going to come back to that line. Again, I don't like chasing, um, but in some cases here, chasing has worked, at least in the last six weeks. So, you know, it's just not my style. I think you're going to get some pullbacks here eventually in some of these names. These aren't stuff I'm looking to add to my long-term portfolio, but you cannot argue with the short-term performance. The laggards have become leaders, and the leaders have become laggards. Yeah, I mean, just... we've seen this so much on the monthly charts. I mean, where you see something on the daily, you're like, oh, this is so overdone here. And, you know, uh, nine, nine bucks, eight and a half bucks, 18, right? But then you go, you look on the bottom chart, and you're like, well, Man, this thing was a uh, eighty-plus dollar stock. So, uh, just a short-term technicals on this one. You had a pair of highs at seventeen twenty-three, seventeen twenty-two. So I call that. You know, see if you got a gap fill, or if you're trying to short this off the open, you better watch out for some bids there. Uh, Pre-market high, we did spike over seventeen sixty, but. There's just not when there's nothing on a monthly candle. I, I just don't like to try and get in the way. Nor do I want to say, yeah, well, the next target is a uh, thirty nineteen. That was your May two thousand twenty two high. So it's just your perspective, your time perspective on things. And uh, this thing, what yeah, psychological twenty buck level? I mean, what else do you want? Yeah, to use I, to I, I like that a lot, Joel. I think twenty bucks if you were going to play a swing trade here would be a good price target, and you could even. <laughs> It, you know, set some tight stop losses and say, hey, either this thing's going to keep running for, you know, one more week here, or a couple more weeks, or it's going to start giving up some of these gains and you should know pretty quickly. Just a quick note on the story, kind of what's going on with Snapchat right now. The stock had gotten crushed along with all other, you know, social media stocks, but in part because the fear is the company was losing a lot of users to TikTok and people were spending time other places. Yeah. Users, uh, users that actually stayed pretty steady at Snapchat, actually up to 750 monthly active users. And this is mostly young people, which is what the market likes. Because if you have, you know, young people that are on your app and, you, you know, that's better than having uh, people that might not be there for much, much longer. But, uh, you know, I think it's almost a detriment to the company as well because the user base is so young that advertisers don't really get a lot of conversion. Because if you're advertising on Snapchat, but it's a bunch of 15, 16 year olds that don't even have money yet to buy the products. Um, but it could be some sort of, uh, you know, similar to Facebook, where Facebook struggled for a long time. It had a bunch of users, but wasn't really monetizing it well. And then over time, eventually started monetizing its user base better. If something similar happens with Snapchat over time, I could see it being a good long-term story. But right now, I wouldn't look at it as anything other than a potential swing trade. Chat throwing out all the pot stock names as laggards. And I'm telling you, and multiple people in the chat talking about it. It does come to mind. They have not moved. So CGC. The problem is I think a lot of these are going bankrupt. So, I mean, it's like the hot potato trade. Can we get that like 50, 60% pop, you know, or maybe even more, maybe 100% pop, you know, before the inevitable bad news on some of these names? I don't know. Like CGC, the darling of the industry, wow. is sitting here at 52 cents. And obviously the all-time high is what, you know, 60 or I don't even know where it is, Joel, now. The all-time high, I think it may have. Oh, it's, uh, it, for, it's over 55. 
It got to yeah. 59 and a quarter. The ultimate laggard trade. The ultimate laggard trade is the pot stock names. I wouldn't want to be short them right now. So they're sitting here in the lows. 50 cents. I don't short 50 cent stocks anyways, but Tilray looks productive. I mean, Tilray's two bucks here, Joel. All-time high is 300. <laughs> kind of looks like it's itching to go here a little bit. Could Tilray break out? And again, you know, maybe there's bad news that comes out, government regulation, all that. But, you know, these stocks have just been absolute dogs, the dogs of the market, and they haven't participated at all. So maybe take a little flyer, speculative capital. Maybe we could get a lift. I don't, I don't mind the trade. You got, you know where your risk is, right? It's to zero. zero. It's to zero <laughs> on all these. They're all call options. You don't have to buy call options. You can just buy the stocks on these things when they're 50 cents. Don't even worry about calls. You just put 50 cents. It's a, stock. It's a call option in itself. Tilray, two bucks. It's basically a call option. ACB was another one. So basically a call option. Oh, man. Well, I actually... Actually, I forgot, like, when I try and pull these stocks up, when people ask me about them, I actually, I do have the the, the great memory. I don't, like, they, they're not even registering. Like, there was Aurora Cannabis. Um, what was GRWG is a big one in the, in America. Like, look, they're all too, by holy, everybody lost uh, a lot of money in all these things. But, I mean... I, yeah, I mean, I could see the market rewarding some of these stocks just because, like you said, Dennis, I mean, people are looking for laggards right now. People are looking yeah. for the names that haven't moved. But from a yeah. basic economic sense, I think what you've seen happen is there's a really low barrier to entry into this market if for companies that want to start growing marijuana and selling it. And what you've seen is just kind of a surplus of supply bringing prices down in a lot of these markets. I mean, I know here in Michigan, we I've, I've covered this a decent amount where over time these growers have had to start selling their product for less and less and less because there's more and more competition to the point where a lot aren't very profitable. So I don't necessarily love these long term. The story is horrible, AB. This is not like long term investment. Right. This is just because the market might run these up. A, a That's, 30 all. Yeah. That's all. That's all we're talking about. That's why I call them hot potatoes. I think a lot of these end up at zero. But is there this moment where they're buying every laggard they can find that they have forgotten about the pot stocks. I think there might be, but again, you know, you had States, you got government regulation you have so many wild things. Kronos is another one. CRON. All these things are sitting near the lows. They have not participated at all. So it is the ultimate laggard trade. We're just throwing it out there. I don't have any of these names yet, but keep an eye. They start to show a little bit of life. Maybe you can get some momentum going. Maybe you don't want to be the first one to strike. Maybe you want to move up like seven, 8% before you start striking. But I think it's interesting. I think the what's going on in your hometown, Dennis? Remember, I know you do the old. If I Back had to a, Leamington, yeah, Leamington. You or know, if I had tomatoes or I had pot, you know, what would I rather have, tomatoes or pot? Is it are they? Well, that's uh, what, yeah, Leamington is full of greenhouse growers, and a lot of the tomato growers went to. And this is why when I was saying, you know, that some of these pot companies worth billions of dollars didn't make any sense. I'm looking at a greenhouse full of pot plants. I'm looking at a greenhouse full of tomato plants. And you're telling me the greenhouse full of pot plants is worth a thousand times more than the greenhouse full of tomato plants. It didn't make any sense. Eventually, in the long run, I was correct. It didn't make sense of why these pot stocks came down. It's got to make fundamental sense. Yeah, the pot stocks are worth more. They're not worth a thousand times more because these greenhouses, you know, that's worth five, 10 million, that greenhouse operation. Well, this one's worth a billion because it's got pot plants in it. That made no sense. That's why eventually they were going to come back down, which they have. But what we're arguing here is not fundamentals. Forget about the fundamentals. We're arguing pure laggard trade. The pot stocks are a hell of a laggard trade. I can get behind that. Disconnecting the 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 yeah. story, the, the fundamentals from what the market reaction is going to be. Uh, uh, Joel, unless you, you want to stay on pot stocks for a second, I, I, I want to ask you guys some help in kind of deciphering this news that I've got coming across my desk right now because I'm not – I don't know if I'm fully understanding it correctly. Okay. So uh, headline that the uh, the BP is is diverting its shipments through the Red Sea because there's been some attacks from, I guess, some, some pirates or something down there. They're from uh, Yemen rebels. The world's largest shipping group, Mediterranean Shipping Company, MSC, has announced it is diverting its ships away from the Red Sea because of an increased threat of attacks. BP also made this announcement. But BP's trading higher. BP's trading up this morning pre-market on the news. Zim, another shipping stock, is trading higher. What's the what 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 do you think the why do you think the market reaction is positive on this news? Is it because supply is going to be more limited if if they're not uh you know going through this channel in the sea anymore? And then that could help bring the price of oil higher. I, I don't I don't I guess understand the market reaction. I can tell you why BP is trading higher because oh, yeah. they don't care about it. 
they don't care yeah. about this headline whatsoever. AB, it's too small. BP is such a large company. This is a minuscule little piece of the pie for them. So it's being completely ignored by the market and oil is ripping today. So that's why BP is trading higher. Now, Zimmer could be trading up on this. And it's an interesting headline. You know, you get the pirates going through. And Zim is actually one that has been going up here. So, you know, that's, you know, interesting in itself here. But yeah, that's why uh, AB, it's just too small for that company of size of BP to care about. So BP and every other oil stock is up basically one and a half to two percent here this morning. BP obviously trading over in Europe, so it's already just on the price in. of oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the price of oil. Oil is ripping here this morning. We're up fairly significantly. Yeah, I, I wonder the if this. I wonder if the Zim. I wonder if people, if the Zim investors are hoping, oh well, if the other bigger companies stop going through this through this sea, maybe Zim will keep doing it. And that'll that'll help give it a boost. I'm not sure. Maybe they're just continuing to run it up, but. Either way, I saw that headline across, like you said, interesting headline, but maybe not the most uh, market moving this morning. And, and Zim, keep an eye on that, Zim, because we're talking about laggard trades and maybe you have a catalyst here. And it just broke out from 8 to 10. It gets above the 10, you know, which it is. It's always interesting, too. And I mean, you're chasing it a bit. It's down 20% or 25% in two days. So there's always major risk when you're chasing like that. But, you know, it's interesting. I look at that, you know, maybe there's a headline there to drive that small company a little bit more. Zim, get rid of their dividend. I was just gonna. I, I was just getting this thing. They kept preaching to me. It's got a ninety percent dividend. How can you go wrong? They must have cut it to zero, eh? Yeah, I'm not seeing any dividend yield on, yeah, on my, on my thing. So, I'm just going to the news. Zim dividend. We'll just ask Google dividend cut. Did they cut it? Yes. Zim, Zim's services dividend cut came sooner and deeper than expected due to strong profitability headwinds. We're looking at back in October, it looks like they cut the dividend and it does look like, um, <laughs> wow, I don't yeah. know if it's zero, but yeah, it's suspended. It looks like it has suspended the dividend. So it did, that's uh, just you have 90% <laughs> dividends. There's some risk folks. It's not just free money. So uh, talk about rotation. I mean, the past couple of weeks, oil's been getting crushed. Tech stocks have been doing great with oil trading up this morning. Could we, Dennis, do you think we could start to see maybe an outflow of tech into some of these energy names, maybe, maybe value stocks do a little bit better today. How are you, how are you viewing this? Uh, uh, the, the oil price increase coming into Monday trading. I think it's a laggard trade here as well. I think people are still searching around and looking for what hasn't gone yet. And oil is sitting down near the lows and they're coming in here over the weekend. They're saying, well, we can clearly see what this market is doing. It's buying all laggards. What lags more than oil? Again, it's fundamental news is driving it, but oil stocks themselves have lagged even too crude. I mean, these are laggard trades. So you got to be aware being short laggards, being short anything right now, is super dangerous because one with the seasonality trade, Santa Claus rally starts in a couple of days. Um, you know, not that necessarily is going to continue to boost it, but I don't see why it would derail it. And I think you just got to be looking at, you know, it's just if you know, you know, it's saying, well, this company's weak, it's got crappy fundamentals, eventually going bankrupt. That could be the case. But when the laggard trade gets hot, fundamentals don't matter, folks. And that's what you got to be careful of here. Oil stocks are all laggards. So I think even when you get a slight little positive headline coming from anything, there's going to be that flock of investors coming in saying, hey, maybe this is the turnaround story. Right now, people are looking for turnaround stories. And what about Warren? Warren giving the vote of confidence, uh, another vote of confidence on Thursday, right? He got showed that purchase. You saw the gap up in it. It actually ran after the open on Thursday so that, you know, you had a pretty good opportunity Came back a little bit in on Friday. It got a gap now to fill here down to the lower uh, to 57.27. But now with the, the turn in oil prices, I uh, don't know if you're going to get that. But uh, Warren, the big catalyst on this. And then also, you know, just, just going to the, uh, you know, the oil and, uh, you know, what's going on with the attack. This has been, this is not the first one, right? This has been going on. And I think this is just kind of underlying all the Middle East tensions. And this is something that, you know, with, you know, with the war that's going on, the escalation and stuff. So there, there is, you know, there is some kind of political impact to this, but as Dennis said, you know, BP, big company, uh, a lot of things, but uh, the, the geopolitical concerns of the, of the Middle East and everything certainly uh, don't seem to be bothering this market at all. Well, yeah. One consideration, just going back to the laggard trade, though, is you still have tax loss selling coming in on some of these stocks. The laggard trade normally starts working January 1. It has been front run here 
significantly in a lot of stocks. So just be aware that these stocks just don't have to, you know, rip higher here. January 1, it'd be more interesting if they just kind of stayed where they were until January 1. And then you get like the better setup maybe. Because, you know, we work on trade day. You have a lot of retail traders in a lot of these stocks. And probably some of them, it's been a pretty good year. Might be sitting on some gains and saying, look, I could realize some losses on this canopy growth stock here. And then, you know, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, and, and not pay as much tax. So that is one thing that's working against these stocks for the next eight or nine trading sessions. What do we got left? Eight, nine, nine trading sessions? Five. I don't think that many. We got to look at the calendar. Feels like eight or nine. nine. Eight. Eight. Eight trading sessions left. That's a lot of sessions. Still some tax loss selling coming in there. So just careful with the lagger trade. You don't want to be too early. Um, and, and then with the oil, I mean, as someone who's holding tech stocks still and everything, I don't hate to see uh, oil coming back up here. I mean, like you said, there's, you know, there's geopolitical tension, all these things that can help drive that price higher. But if we see sustained rally in oil this week, Inflation that's going to trade. Yep. That's going to tell me that the market's not as worried about, you know, a, a big drop in demand or a recession in Q1 2024, which, again, I don't think that many people are, are are feeling that scared about the economy or market now that we're trading at all time highs. But you still had Powell talking about that, you know, we haven't seen the full effects of rate hikes, that we're going to see more layoffs and stuff. So if we start seeing oil continuing to move lower and all this stuff, that I might start thinking, hey, this slowdown that people have been expecting for a long, you know, a year basically is finally coming. But as long as oil's ripping, that's telling me that investors are, are not at least immediately concerned with this potential of a drop in demand for oil across the world that would be associated with uh, an economic downturn. So, so just something to watch. I, you know, I think the oil price is here. Uh, definitely worth watching as always. And everything has changed to a certain extent here, just with, again, Powell speak last week, where we, I was under the impression they would not start lowering rates until we started seeing economic data start to slow, which we have not seen. And Powell was saying otherwise. Now, Williams came in and said that is not yeah. the case. So that yep. changes things a little bit to a certain extent. But holy cow, I mean, we've got to be careful you know, being short anything here right now. I just think we're in this market here where you've got to be very careful playing the short side. Uh, the thing is with the oil too, I mean, if it, uh, you know, it's a component of inflation too. And, you know, Powell and whatever projections they made that, you know, we whooped inflation, it's one component of it. So that's one thing. We don't get any more uh, inflation data until, uh, you know, the middle of next month, but, you know, it's one component of inflation. And now that we've already whooped inflation, we pit, we skipped the pivot. We just went from, raising the lowering or somehow miraculously in uh in one meeting so that's one thing that a longer term that can uh you know consideration for the inf impact of inflation see i actually when i was listening to powell last week i was kind of trying to always you know read between the lines see what he's trying to say it sounded to me like when he was talking about rate cuts it was on the backdrop of again he was still expecting this upturn in in unemployment and some sort of economic downturn to the point where I think if you if we see uh, employment numbers continue to be very strong, labor market to be very strong and inflation doesn't come down at all, I think Powell will end up being more hesitant to cut rates than what he was talking about last week. I think he's still expecting, but Powell's been saying this for a year and a half. He's been saying, we're going to see pain in the labor market. We're going to see pain in the labor yeah, market. And it's never come. So I think he's still kind of thinking, okay, hey, we're starting to see more layoffs, What you know, we're going to end up cutting rates in, in Q1 or Q2 of next year. But if we don't see those layoffs, then maybe not. But again, I, I still kind of heard that from him last week that he was expecting at least, you know, the economy to cool down a tiny bit. Um, but obviously the market didn't really interpret it that the market just took off and ran with it, which is, you know, hey, if you're long, then, then you liked it. And again, what, you know, surprised me, what we were reiterating just from last week is that I didn't think the Fed was in the prediction business. I thought that they were in the data dependent business. So it sounds to me like to your point, AB, is that they're kind of predicting the slowdown here and they're trying to get ahead of it. They don't yeah, and want I think that data to start. They don't want that unemployment rate to start ticking up. And don't forget about the election year. I mean, it is an election year and that has a lot to do with it here, too. So we're going to come into 2024 into an election year. They don't want the economy to start falling off a cliff in an election year. So they're going to, you know, basically behind that too. So the timing of all of this is very interesting.
I, I, I guess, but I, I think I disagree with that, Dennis, because I people always, you know, say that, you know, but it's Powell was appointed by George H.W. Bush, was made the Fed chairman under Trump. Like, why, why would he have some legiancy to Biden and care about what that like? I think he's just looking at the economy personally. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but again, he's not to me like a bit, you know, Biden's guy or anything. He was he was made the Fed chairman by Trump. So I, I don't think he would have. The, the biggest, you know, loyalty to Biden in the world. But I could be dead wrong on that. I mean, he was, uh, you know, Trump was obviously urging Powell to keep interest rates low before COVID because Trump wanted the markets to be hot. Like any president would want right. that. Um, but again, I, I don't know how much of that plays into it. But uh, I, I thought with Powell, may, they might have start be seeing some data already that's indicating the slowdown. I mean, obviously, they're looking at a lot of different things. And most of the data we get from the Fed or from the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics is lagging, but I assume they look at data that all that isn't all lagging, that like the stuff that we get later, the CPI and stuff. So maybe they're already starting to see some signs of a of, of a slowdown. I think they're predicting. I think I think they're predicting. Yeah, it's trying to get ahead of it. I think I there's think a lot. Prediction won't be bad. I predict. I was predicting. I've been predicting on this slow slowdown <laughs> for a long time, which it hasn't come yet. But I just know you keep rates high not enough. The math adds up. People have uh, less money, so let's just argue. You can't argue with money. the you can't argue with the presidential election cycle, you know, as well. But it just it just seems like you know twenty you know we would the predict that you know being predictable the market twenty what's happened in twenty three what happened in January then the sell off where we're at in October it just feels like you know we will have our seasonality plans we'll we'll have our presidential cycles. It just seems like this market just seems like to be throwing a lot more curveballs at us, and you know nothing bigger than you know what what happened last Wednesday with Powell. I mean, totally changed the entire complexion of the market. Even though the bond market been pushing them, right? Uh, the TLT and the bond market ahead of things pushing it, but uh, I I predict 2024 will be unpredictable. It's a lot of different things going on. Yeah, and and Carmen with a good comment in the chat saying it might not be about Powell's loyalty to Biden. They might just he might just not want Trump back. Who knows? We're not going to get into the politics. No, of it, no, 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 and, and again, no, no. there's more than just Powell there. He's not just the only right. On right. The we saw that on Friday. So there's a lot. We saw that with Williams. You know the talk, and so there's but, there's multiple opinions happening here. But it's just you know when you line it all up, you got an election here. You got a lot of things going on. So it's all interesting. So let's uh, I, another uh, big headline that came across uh, my desk this morning. Adobe and Figma's deal officially falling through Adobe stock. Last time I checked was actually trading up on this news, which mm -hmm. to me, I mean, this is uh, the, the market just does not know what, to, what it wants to do with this news, because when the deal was first announced, the Adobe stock crashed. They, you know, they thought, oh, my God, they're overpaying for Figma by by a lot. And then once the deal was announced, okay, then it started going through and was like, okay, this is going to be approved. Then the stock traded higher. And it was like, wait, I thought you guys didn't like this deal. And now it's getting nixed again and the stock is trading higher again. So either way, I mean, I, I, I don't think, you know, this is going to be a make or break thing for Adobe. I think it, it would have been good for the company long term to have Figma. I think without it, then it's uh, going to be fine anyway. But uh, what's the market reaction right now, Joel, on Adobe? They like it. I like. Uh, well, I got to remember, Adobe got hit off earnings right on Thursday. Put a nice little double bottom in there. Missed it. Missed it by. We actually went through it by a dime, and it just kind of hung in there. Right, basically was unchanged on the day. You're gapping up here, so I mean, I can't give you any resistance until you get to six eighteen. That's a long ways away. So what I'm thinking here. Is that people that did buy the dip on Thursday bought the dip on Friday, not expecting this news? It's pretty, you know, nice, nice little uh, quick ten point profit. Let's get through the pre market high at five ninety seven. Uh, quick reaction, uh, Dennis. Your thoughts on Adobe Acrobat? Leaders software. to laggards, laggards to leaders. It's hard to buy Adobe right now on up yep. ten bucks here because this has been one of the leaders of the year. And if we are in this full on, like where we're not, we're thinking interest rates are going higher. You've been hiding out in stocks like Adobe and you've been selling all those solar stocks. So it's not the kind of stock that's getting bought on dips right now, which means it could be the kind of stock that is getting sold on reps. So I think I'm with you. Although again, shorting anything in this market has been dangerous. The shorts have just been run over. 
So kind of related to Adobe, last week at the end of the week, we had news that DocuSign was uh, exploring a a sale. Uh, And the reason they're related, I mean, Adobe came out with a feature that you can sign documents, you know, using Adobe software. And that's why I never really loved DocuSign because DocuSign's whole moat was based on this electronic signing thing. And then Adobe Adobe brings it out. You can now sign things on like your iPhone, on, just on Apple. So it's like, how how valuable is... But could Adobe maybe come in and try to purchase DocuSign? Because, you know, I mean, but then I guess maybe they would... It, probably some regulatory hurdles if they have kind of a, a monopoly on the electronic signing business. But either way, who, who would be a buyer of DocuSign down here uh, for, you know, I guess... Just they want that uh, the 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 software of being able to electronically sign things could be Adobe, could be a big tech company like Apple or Microsoft. But uh, stock stock popped last week on this news that yeah. DocuSign is exploring. It, it is not going back down. No, it's Here's- not giving it back. So uh, where is the PE on this puppy? Like I'm just trying to get a feel for valuation because one thing to consider, AB, is not when you're bad. talking M and A. When, you, when, when you're talking trading, you can ignore valuation. Stories, hot stuff goes. But when you're talking M&A, it's all about valuation. Companies are coming in and saying, well, it doesn't make any sense. You know, yeah, people f- were talking about Peloton getting bought out of $35 or $40. And I poo-pooed all of that because I'm like, nobody's going and paying $8 billion for, you know, a company that is really struggling, you know, for, for it, it didn't make any sense. So, you know, you can talk hot stories and stocks can go up on hot stories. But typically, there's got to be some type of value for for a company to come in and acquire them. So that's why you want to look at DocuSign. Go to your trusty Benzinga Pro. Twenty-two. Feel about the PE. Yeah. Forward yeah. So P- it's not crazy. Forward PE at twenty-two. Price not crazy. To sale, price to sale of four point eight. So not crazy. But again, not I crazy. Think, I think the fear would be that the gro- there's no growth and that it's could that those earnings could even be declining for DocuSign. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, this could just be one to watch. You, you, you could, we could see maybe an offer at some point in the next few weeks. I mean, I don't know how, how, how quickly this thing's going to turn around. Maybe they're, they're saying, Hey, let's wait a little bit on this while the market's not as hot. Um, but yeah, just something to watch DocuSign stock. Like you guys said, not coming down right now, still trading up on that pop, uh, in pre-market trading this morning. And you don't want to get axed, you know, on this one. No, yep. we're not shorting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine mean, it comes out, gets bought out at 90, and you're like, holy mackerel. I, I, again, yeah. looking at the P at 22, looking at maybe to your point, AB, is there's a lot of companies that figure they can do a lot with that. I oh, mean, my man. You know, it fits kind of in. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not against it. I, if the P was 100, I'd be like, wow, I was paying no way. But yep. It's not anymore. And they say the current P, but the, the forward P is 21. It's not crazy. I think this is my guy Jaeger from St. Louis. He's saying buyer DocuSign. My guess CRM Salesforce. That's a great guess. I mean, that's probably the that. Well, they the, buy probably, everything. Yeah, that'd probably <laughs> be the front runner. Do you do you guys have any any hot take guesses? You know, I don't it, know who. It, no, I, I I'd go know. with CRM. Could do it too. That could be one of them. But it could be multiples. We know Benioff is out there. I mean, think about the OpenAI stuff. You know, think about you know like. Oh yeah! Here, come on over. I got open invitation. Many <laughs> for everyone. Many is a businessman. He is making no friends ever. He's out there to do business there, and he talks his business. So well, he's, he's know, made- he'll steal employees. Benny will go out there. I mean, it's possible. Bet's Benny style to come Benny, in here. Benny. You know, he's spinning off this or doing this, but he likes the. You know, I, I it, it's it's not out of the it's out of the question. Benioff has made at least one friend, even if he maybe maybe had to buy the friendship a little bit. Jim Cramer? Matthew McConaughey. Oh, Matthew McConaughey. Salesforce, what these commercials? Sales, Salesforce pays Matthew McConaughey over $10 million a year, something crazy like that, to be its, For advertising? It, yeah. it, to be its spokesperson. And it's like, all right. I mean, uh, it's, they, people were making jokes about it when uh, when Salesforce had a big beat a year ago. They were like, oh, I guess that the money they're spending on McConaughey must really work. But then they did they did all these layoffs like a year ago, and people were like, oh, so you have the money to pay McConaughey $10 million, but not your employees, and you're laying off $1,200. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it, it, uh, Benioff, obviously not afraid to go out in the market and spend some money. So I got, I got one for you training at uh, a laggard an ultimate laggard trading at a 16 forward PE zoom. 
Zoom is down at a six uh, forward. Uh, this is another one where the where the where the moat to me is just not great, right? You have you have Microsoft Teams, you have Google Too Meet, you have Zoom, and and it's just nothing is is mm. that special to Zoom. If mm. I think your your long story here could just be that hey, so many businesses are already using Zoom. It's so ingrained. It's not going anywhere. Eventually, the valuation is going to come up a little bit. But again, like this was always a huge growth story, and then now that the growth mm. isn't there then I'm not quite sure what the story is what anymore. The street, what the street's looking at. Yeah, I mean, the month, I mean, it's had a nice run on the uh, on the daily, just like everything else. But then uh, you look at the monthly there and you're like, well, is this thing uh, ever, ever going to wake up? Yeah, it's pretty easy to use, but like you said, it's uh, it's all about the moat and the PE doesn't mean anything if the E is still going down. It's just, you know, one thing is DocuSign basically has a monopoly on you know uh, their business they're coming in everybody uses DocuSign not everybody uses Zoom so to AB's point there's so much competition for Zoom that's why it trades with a lower PE until they can show us they come out with a new product that everybody wants we we, we started on Zoom years ago you know which we found StreamYard to be a better product that's why we moved to it so I mean there's you know like you said Microsoft Teams Cisco WebEx I mean there's so many different streaming platforms here now that even though they were a verb in the pandemic, they are no longer a verb. And that's why I think I still stay away until you can show me a reason to come back. You need a new product, get away from being the one trick pony because we don't want to have a GoPro on our hands here where they never figured it out. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, the stock's been trading up. A lot of tech stocks are. Adobe or uh, Zoom is kind of a sign to me, or it's 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 showing that not everything can be saved by just saying that we're using AI, right? It, it, just because Zoom is saying in their in their earnings calls, "Hey, we're integrating more AI services," has not resulted in a in a big fifty percent run in the company. So I wonder if we're we're, we're starting to see the market kind of lose its the sparkle of AI a little bit, just in the sense that hey. Look, look, maybe just because Zoom's in a, you know integrating AI, it's not to say, of course, that Google won't and Microsoft won't. So how much of a of a real difference maker is that? I'm with you. Yeah. Google about, and Microsoft. Uh, Google and Microsoft. Gemini. Gemini, Google and Microsoft, if you're playing the AI. Although AI uh, did have a nice move uh, at a little dip off earnings, but coming back, challenging that $32 level. If you're an AI bull you want to see it clear that's been over 32 uh since early september so love that level if you're trading ai what uh what are the analysts up to aaron so in the analyst world we had a uh we had another downgrade in a firm this is of course the uh the buy now pay later stock which has been you know doing really well a firm had some very positive data on black friday sales people were, were purchasing a lot of things with uh, you know, that buy now, pay later option. But we had a downgrade uh, this morning from Morgan Stanley. Uh, let me get the exact numbers pulled up here. The uh, Morgan Stanley price target to uh, downgrades, a firm holding price target to $20. Wait, so interesting. So it was a downgrade from equal weight to underweight, but with a, a price target raise from 15 to 20. So that might be just more about market conditions and saying, hey, uh, you know, the market's obviously rewarding some of these laggards right now. But again, uh, downgrade on a firm from Morgan Stanley. Stock is what? Trading down 5% pre-market? Yeah. And yeah, when a think? lot of people caught short this thing, I think there's underneath demand here now. I don't think this downgrade derails the whole thesis, but it has run a long way. So, you know, you got to like give it some room, maybe draw your trend line. But I think buyers step up here in the low 40s. Let's see here. Buy the dip. If you've been shorting this, uh, you got an opportunity. Trading down 237, still at the lows of the pre-market session. Let's see. Do we have any daily low in this area? Absolutely not. Uh, the next daily low comes in at 38.71. I don't know. I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, also, this is a gift for people that just were selling in the strength in the last two days, uh, being down 237. What's the top? Of, uh, I don't think you're going to get to see the top of yesterday's range. But a lot of times with these upgrades and downgrades, you get going in one direction. It's either like, yep, okay, we're going to pound this thing all day. 
or people just come in. Oh, no, this is a contrarian call. We're going to scoop it up. S&P's Berlin North here, Dennis, up 16 handles. Watch the offers here. It looks yeah. like we are heading for last week's high. Actually, the highs from last week, they're right next to each other on Thursday, uh, Thursday and Friday. So uh, uh, Quad Witch right now, they're trying to turn it in the 4,800 handle. Significantly de uh, significantly tough to derail this market here right now. Um, again, seasonality is playing into play. Money managers are all caught. They're all like looking at Powell and the Fed cutting rates. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're sitting with all this cash. And they're talking about cutting rates. There is just a reallocation yeah, like of capital coming into the equity markets here. And I know, you know, we've talked about it too. And I'm still sitting with a lot of cash in the long-term portfolio as well. But on dips, you got to put some of that back to work. So I think we'll get some opportunities here, folks. But that's why, you know, you get a little bit of a dip in something in the markets. And you know what I'm looking at here too? Not only looking, you know, at, um, you know, what the laggard trade is, but some of the leaders are starting to perk up here too. Check out NVIDIA. I mean, oh, I they were poo-pooing this, and I'm still along my NVIDIA, poo-pooing it for the last couple of weeks, ignoring it. You know, it's pulling back down. It's like the story is over here. Valuation's too high. We're at striking distance of an all-time high in NVIDIA. So as much as they've went leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders, NVIDIA is starting to turn it around here again and is perking up. Also, SMCI, which I am long, moves along with that. It's perking up here, too. Some of these stocks are just perking up a little bit here. So, you know, keep an eye on those. One thing that I, I noticed last week that I, I would say would be like the one thing kind of, I, would, I would say kind of scared about with this market right now is from the uh, AAII sentiment survey last Thursday came out. Uh, there are like no bulls anymore. It's like the one, it's a year, it's a 52 week low on the percentage of retail investors that are bullish. More than 50% of people are, 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 are bullish. Sorry, less than 20% of people are bearish. I feel like I, I kind of like to be a contrarian a lot of times where if everyone's bullish, I'm like, all right, it can't be Doesn't that pay. easy. Doesn't pay. Doesn't, Doesn't pay. pay. So I, I, I'm starting to wonder, you know, if, if, you know, because everyone's now shifted where three weeks ago it was the exact opposite. There was like more people bearish than bullish. And now so quickly the tides have shifted. If that means there's going to be some sort of reckoning or pullback or something going on. Um, because, you know, I always like to think of the max pain scenario, right? Most people aren't, aren't when they're trading, aren't making money. And there's a reason for that. The market's a ruthless place. So if I've got, you know, 70% of retail traders and everyone's buying calls, Maybe I'd like to be the one selling those calls. I'm not quite sure, but I again just I'm I'm have no reason to be bearish about the economy right now, about the market, but that does scare me just a tiny bit. The contrarian trade works the best January first. So you're like eight days, Aaron. I'm probably gonna be on the contrarian trade bandwagon here, but the momentum trade works the best during the Santa Claus period, which we are coming into in a couple of days. Here, I believe the Santa Claus rally starts Wednesday. The official is two days before and, and uh, the five days after. Correct? Am I? That's the way um, our, our, our good our good friend over at Stock Traders Almanac defines it. I believe. Um, okay. So I believe that would be Wednesday if I'm doing my math correctly. That's the official time where they seem to come in. But the momentum, it's all about momentum during Santa Claus and it's all about contrarian during January. That's how I've traded for 23 years. Doesn't work every year, but works wow. a lot of years. Well, 50% of the time, it works. Final every five time. trading days, five final trading days of December in the first two days of January into the new year. So. But Dennis, the market moves so fast. I mean, if we if we have a big pullback here for the next couple of weeks, the contrarian trade by January first might be going long again. So we I guys know, isn't that the craziest thing? <laughs> so, so you guys got to keep tuning in every morning to I, to figure out what the market's doing, and we'll be able well, to say. say well, that's what I was looking. I was looking to buy all this IWM junk that's beat up January first, but it's run so far that it can end up being this short on the contrarian trade. Isn't it's that the craziest thing ever. I know you got to stay nimble in these markets. Speaking of the small caps, uh, you know, someone who's had a very big year 20 in 2023. I mean, a lot of investors hopefully have have made a lot of money considering the S&P 500 is up damn near 20 percent. But Kathy Wood has had a huge year. ARKK up a lot. One of her, her old darling stocks, the Roku, got another downgrade uh, this morning. And this is one of those stocks that 
it, you know, looking at the at the monthly chart here, you can see it's still well, well off its highs. But when you zoom in, it's kind of like Snapchat, right. still well off its highs. But when you zoom in in the last couple months, it's up, a, it's, yeah. up a, it's up a ton. Um, so Roku uh, uh, this morning, let me pull up the exact, uh, uh, let's see, the downgrade coming uh, from Seaport Global, downgrades Roku to sell, announces $75 price target. This is not a stock that I love, but again, we're not talking about stocks and companies we love right now. We're just talking about stocks that the market's rewarding. Uh, what's the what's the price action say here, Joel? Well, uh, once again, a little gift to the uh, to the Bears over the last couple of days, and there's not many gifts to the Bears at all. Uh, trading down in the pre market. Uh, I, the only thing I give you here is there's three lows in the 92 handle. Uh, so if you're waiting for more on this one. Maybe just, uh, you know, uh, hawk to like the 92.40, 92.50 area. But but once again, in, in this market, you know, something's opening down three bucks. Who cares if someone else says it's only worth 75? You could be short this thing in the hole and then boom, it's at the, you know, it's at the bottom of yesterday's range that comes in at 96.54. So, Dennis, any technical or fundamental thoughts on Roku? Well, I hate it fundamentally. I've called this TiVo for a very long time correctly because it's come down from $500 down to $95. I still think it's TiVo, um, meaning that, you know, it's a one-trick pony that's just trying to get streaming online. Now it's all built into the TVs. Sometimes Roku's built in the TVs as well. But, you know, they're all smart TVs now. You don't need your little contraption anymore. Every TV that I bought doesn't need a Roku anymore. And now, again, like I said, sometimes Roku is the one that's actually built into it. But when the little box sales aren't going to be box sales forever. So I absolutely hate this company fundamentally. Is there a laggard trade here coming in the new year? Maybe. I'm too early to strike, though, for that. So review this January 1. Let's see where it's at. TiVo used to be publicly traded, right? TiVo, Yeah. TIVO. Who who, who bought TiVo? Who bought TiVo? Someone bought TiVo. I don't know if anybody bought TiVo. I don't even know if it's uh, survived. Rovi Rovi Corporation in 2016 acquired what did TiVo they pay for, for it? one billion. And at one point in time, it was probably worth multiple billions. So. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, TiVo <laughs> when TiVo came out, I still remember that. I was a kid, and it was like the coolest thing in the world. Cool, I, cool. I'd get home from school, and you could just go. You know, I have all my shows recorded, Rewind everything. It. it was it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, I got a real laggard for you here. Uh, Sun Power, uh, uh, Goldman Sachs, you talk about good timing on something. At a 742, Goldman Sachs downgrades Sun Power to sell, lowers price target to $4. At 845, uh, Sun Power Corp says substantial doubt exists as a company able to continue as a growing concern. Oh. <laughs> ultimate fall from grace and i may have never played a stock better in my long-term portfolio than i did on sun power i bought uh, i bought stock in early 2020 at i believe six dollars and i sold that stock in my long-term portfolio i believe i averaged out at 49 dollars one year later and i was the reason i was selling I was just this gun just so far I'm like, and again, I was liquidating the portfolio in early 2021 because I was worried about the Fed starting to raise rates. So I had went to a lot of cash back then. And this was just one. It was sitting there. I didn't want to pay the tax on it because I was up like 800% on it. So basically it was all tax. But I'm like, you know what? I got to take it. So I did and I sold it and I never rebought it. I think I tried to play it a couple of times. So I might've got stopped out once or twice on it, but never really had it. I mean, now you're talking about going concerned. So you can say, yeah, well, this is a real laggard. This is the kind of trade, but... When they're talking about, you know, potentially not, you know, being able to survive as a going concern. I mean, when the going concern word comes out, that means bankruptcy is often around the corner. So hard to just come in here and say, well, yeah, I think we're going to bounce, though. I don't like hearing talks about bankruptcy ever. Usually not a good sign unless there's an acquisition on the other side and you're just taking a stab at that. Uh, let's see any, any final notes, 9am now, 30 minutes away from the open. Anything we got to touch on? I did. I just then now Dennis thought of one laggard that has not moved at all in the positive direction. I can guarantee you though, you're probably not going to like it. Yes. Alibaba ticker Baba still trading uh, at like 73 bucks. I don't know. I'm starting to maybe like should this, could I could I take a stab at this in my long term? Get rid it. of that tax loss selling and let's buy this thing January one. 
greatest right. setup would be it kind of just comes in a little bit. You know, tax loss selling brings it down. We buy it January 1. If it's sitting at 74 bucks January 1, I may get on board AB. I can't well, look, do it right now. You're talking about the biggest company in one of the I biggest know. countries in the world. Eventually, this thing's got to have some buyers. And get, they, they, like, they, and they the valuation. You yeah. know what the PE is? Joel, do you know what the PE Take a stab what you think the PE is on Baba. Eight. It's seven. <laughs> it's seven. Well, I mean, have, is this the ultimate value trap or the best buy ever? It's one or the other. It's one, that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's one or the other, Dennis. What I will say, like the only thing I do really I like about it's like they it's it's similar to Amazon to where they're like cloud services stuff like that seems to be their biggest biggest growth driver in uh, China. Of course, they talked about breaking that up to where you could, if you own Baba, then you would own shares of just their cloud computing portion of it. I'm not sure what happened on that. Cause like the, the stock bounced when they made that news six months ago or so, but then I, I don't know if they've since then nixed that idea or what, but either way, people are afraid. People are just afraid. afraid. Yeah. They're, they're afraid, afraid of a Taiwan invasion. They're yep. afraid of owning Chinese companies. Yep. They're afraid that regulation, you know, we know the way, you know, the reason this started was Jack Maul went missing. I mean, this was three hundred dollars <laughs> stock, and and the ant IPO gets canceled, and Jack Ma goes missing, and I'm like, not a good That's sign. When I'm like, I'm out. When the CEO start going missing <laughs> again, I guess he was okay, but that was the main reason that I sold my long term Bob at two hundred and forty dollars because it was usually like, not a bullish sign. Involved when the CEOs start going missing, that's enough for me. I'm not messing with China here. I'm out, and you I have not rebuy it. I want to rebuy it. Was but, going long Baba one of Munger's last big trades before he passed? Because that could be, you know, we, we might need to. When did honor... he go long? He went long. He went long. He got out too. He got. He, he, said it, he, said yeah. it, he said it was one of his worst trades ever. And then, you know, in the last year. So he he bought, I think he bought like a year and a half, a couple years ago, and then ended up selling six months or a year ago. And, and, you know, he got out. But either way, if, if he saw something that he liked in it from the value, you know, standpoint, then who's to say we shouldn't, Dennis? I, I love the value of it. If this was a company in the USA, I would – this would be the – okay, I'll say this. If Baba was in the USA, this would be the, the largest, largest position in my long-term portfolio. The largest. But it's not. And I can't control what the next step is over there. And I can't control what, you know, she is thinking. And I can't control the whereabouts of Jack Ma. So all that put together makes me skeptical that this stock is just going to turn it around. Now, with that being said, could I get talked into a laggard trade on January 1 in Alibaba? Yes, I could. I mean, what's going to happen, Dennis? Is I'm writing Baba on January fact. Let's start the list today. We're, we're getting gonna... a piece of paper. Look at this. There's going to be a right. lot of stocks on there. January effect. January 1st. Laggards. Number one on this list. <laughs> Dennis, what's, now... what's going to happen is what's going to happen is everything's going to set up perfectly. The, the, the chart's going to look great. We're going to get in. We're going to have all this value, and then the next day. Jack Ma is going to go missing again, and then we're we're or, or China's going to pay Taiwan, and Alibaba opens down seventy five percent, or doesn't way. open at all. In the case of like Russian, never open. Oh my <laughs> god, never open. Worst thing ever. But either never way, this in the pre market prep again, ever. But uh, we're running long in the tooth here. It's nine oh four, so we're going to wrap things up here, and uh, so we're coming at the end of the year. And we've always had one guy that's great with predictions, and uh, he's not going to be able to make next week's end of the year show. But who do you think would be a good guest to talk, wrap up the year, and talk about next year? Over the years, this guy's made some tremendous calls. Dennis, I'll give you one and only guess. Oh, this is so tough. We have so many good guests. He was back in October, back in October, and he was telling us to buy the IWM. Well, that's Ryan Dietrich. Well, there was another guy that was on the same week, and it's not the cow guy. He's trying us to buy. He also know. helped us out during COVID. Oh, is it Mark Chaken? They just showed it. Not Chaken. Not Chaken. Not Chaken either. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it my man hit the bid? No. Well, Kenny's always right. Kenny's one. Yeah, we Kenny is awesome. Right. We love Kenny. Because if he's not right, he's flipping. He's changing his mind. He flips. And oh, yeah. Kenny's, Kenny makes himself right. That's why he's an what? awesome trader. Handback is going to be the new co-host of Pre-Market Prep because he got it with Craig Johnson. Oh, Craig Johnson's always good. We yeah. know Craig. Craig's always yep. good. 
Yeah. We love Craig. So. We, Craig's been coming on the show for years. We love Craig Johnson. Okay. All right, AB. Uh, good job there. Uh, go grab your ice skates and uh, get a little work out there in the ice rink behind there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it, hopefully it turns around. I don't know where you guys were, but it was cold, rainy, you know, this morning. But it, we'll see if it if it gets nicer out, uh, Joel. You'll see me out on the ice okay. rink doing doing some some tricks. Uh, still learning how to hockey stop, though. If I learn how to hockey stop this year, that's my goal. Oh, Dennis can teach you that, man. Dennis uh, can do that. But <laughs> Dennis, right, is, everyone... Dennis is uh, not as good as he once was on anything. I'm getting older now here. <laughs> All right, guys. My thanks for joining is limited us. Now, I just scared my kids. And we'll be back with you tomorrow morning.